وَأَنْكِحُوا and marry الْأَيَامَ the unmarried مِنْكُمْ from among you. In this ayah, the awliya, the guardians, are being addressed. The guardians, such as for example parents, or the extended family, grandparents, whoever they may be, the guardians of single people, they are being addressed. Or the entire Muslim community is being addressed. That all of you should work towards this cause. And what is that cause? That ankihu, ankihu from nakaha nun kafha. Nakaha means he got married, meaning he did nikah himself. He got married to someone. And ankaha is to make someone else marry. To make someone else marry. So, for example, a father he makes his son get married. This is ankaha. Alright? Or he gives his daughter in marriage. That is what? Ankaha. So over here, the command is that you should get some people married. Get some people married. Who are they? Al-ayama minkum. Al-ayama is a plural of ayyim. And ayyim from the root letters Hamza Yamim. Ayyim is a person who does not have a spouse. Meaning they are single. Single. Regardless of whether they never got married or they are widowed or they are divorced, regardless of what their history is, right now, currently, they are unmarried, they are single. What does Allah say? Ankihul ayama minkum. Don't make them remain single for the rest of their lives. Think about and try to get them married. Help them get married. And this is the responsibility of the guardians. This is the responsibility of the Muslim community. That we should help one another get married. Ankihul ayama minkum. Wasalihina min ibadikum. And also have married who? Asalihin, the righteous ones, min ibadikum from among your slaves. وَإِمَائِكُمْ And your slave women. عِبَاد Plural of عَبْد Slave man. And Ima Plural of Ama Slave woman. Meaning if you own a slave man, you own a slave woman, think about having them getting married as well. So the free people, be concerned for their marriage. But this doesn't mean that if you own slaves, you disregard the fact that they also have natural urges and desires. Help them get married also. But what is the biggest fear that people have when marriage talk comes in? How are we going to afford it? Allah says, In if yakunu they are fuqara, poor, plural of faqir, then what will happen? Yughnihim. Allah will enrich them. Allah will make them rich. Yughnihim Allahu. Allah will make them rich min fadlihi from His bounty. وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is all-encompassing in His grace, in His favor. And He is alim, He is knowing of their needs. The needs of people. That they have a need to fulfill sexual desire. And Allah has made nikah halal. And He has made zina haram. So when zina is haram, and that desire is still there, then you're not solving the problem. The problem is solved when a person is allowed to get married, when a person is helped to get married. 
So the responsibility is placed on the entire Muslim community, especially the guardians, especially the parents. That our role should be to help people get married, not stop them from getting married. Unfortunately, we have done the exact opposite. Instead of helping people marry, we are making marriages more and more difficult. Either we're doing this directly or we're doing this indirectly. How are we doing this directly? That when a son or a daughter goes to their parent, first of all, it took them so much courage to actually go and speak to their parents about marriage. When they do so, then what happens? Their request is completely ignored. Or they're made to feel bad about it. Secondly, indirectly how we have made marriage difficult is that we have made marriage so beautiful and so difficult to reach that it's not within everybody's ability to have a very glamorous wedding and to wear a $20,000 dress. It's not within their capacity. And when it's not within their capacity, they keep waiting for that time when they can actually find the perfect spouse and the perfect wedding party and the perfect wedding dress and the perfect attendance that what happens is that the standards you know they've been raised so much that everybody is not able to get there and when everybody is not able to get there those who can get married okay they get married in this way but those who cannot they're made to feel bad they feel hurt they feel sad they wonder if and when they will ever get married For example, I'm asked a lot that, do you know any girls? Do you know any guys? And I have stopped helping people out. I have honestly stopped. Because whenever I am asked and I suggest someone, I'm told, yeah, but she's still in university. Yeah, but we want someone who's more fair. We want someone who's more pretty. We want someone who's more, you know, skinny. We want someone who's actually completed their university and now they're making money. Yes, and when it comes to a guy, oh, he's still in university, oh, he's living with his parents. Uh, no, somebody else, please, somebody else. I'm sorry. If you really want to get married, then you'll get married. Perfection lies in Jannah. Our problem is that we do not understand the reality of this life. We want to make this life the home of fulfilling our desires. And we want every desire fulfilled. We want the perfect looking spouse. We want the perfect house. We want the perfect career, the best job, everything. And then when we cannot find these things, then we delay marriage, we avoid it. And then, oh, it's too late. Who's going to marry this old guy? And who's going to marry this old girl? And because of that reason, marriage is made difficult, directly or indirectly. What is Allah telling us? أَنْكِحُ الْأَيَامَ مِنْكُمْ Have the singles married. Get them married. The Prophet ﷺ said, O young men, whoever among you can afford to get married, let him marry. For it is more effective in lowering the gaze and protecting the private parts. Meaning when a person gets married, then what will happen? It will be easier for him to lower the gaze. And it will be easier for him to protect the private part. Which means that when a person is not married, then they're facing a battle every day. They're at war every day. And they're not at war with an external enemy. They're at war with themselves. 
They have to fight themselves to lower their gaze. They have to fight themselves to protect their private part. And this is zulm. We tell young people, marry later. Why? Because right now you need to focus on your studies. Well, how is the poor guy and the poor girl meant to focus on their studies when they've got hormones, when they've got desires, and when they're constantly interacting with people from the opposite gender? I mean, seriously, when a girl is going to university, for example, and there's so many guys who are constantly, you know, some are being too nice, and then there's that Muslim guy with the beard, oh my God, you know, who speaks really good Arabic and sometimes even gives a khutbah, and then the poor girl has to think like, no, 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 modest, 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 right? I have to focus on my studies, I have to focus on my studies, and the dad is like, yeah, you have to focus on your studies, you better complete your degree, and then you better work, and by that time, they realize, oh, Now she's too old. And old, 28 years old is too old. Or even 35 years old is too old. No, not old. You can get married even at that age. But we have unfortunately made these standards, which is making marriage difficult and making zina easier. The Prophet ﷺ said, there are three people who have a right to the help of Allah. They have a right that Allah must help them. Who are they? The one who marries out of the desire to live a chaste life. What's the goal? I want to be chaste. I don't want to fall into haram. You know, I'm sick of looking at one guy after the other thinking which one is it going to be. You know, I'm tired of this. And it's too difficult when you go to a conference even. It's too difficult to look down when there's so many Muslim guys. Right? It's difficult. So the one who says, okay, I don't think this guy is the most perfect one, he's not Prince Charming. Right? He's nowhere even near Prince Charming, but good enough, inshallah. And Allah will make him perfect later on, inshallah, because perfection is in Jannah. Right? Even the person whom you badly fall in love with, they will still not be perfect. Even a Harvard graduate is not going to be perfect. Alright, they're not going to be perfect. We're all human beings and we all have flaws. So the intention behind marriage is what? Live a chaste life. Then this person has a right that Allah should help him or her. He has a right that Allah should help him or her because the niyyah was good. And Allah will definitely help such a person. The second person is the slave whose master has agreed to buying his freedom when he wishes to pay the sum, and the third is the one who fights in the cause of Allah. In a hadith we learn that when someone with whose religion and character you are satisfied, two criteria have been given. What are they? Religion and character. And these are the two things that we overlook, that we don't give attention to. What do we look at? Looks and books. Right? Looks and what's on the resume. That's what we look at. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ said, deen and akhlaq. Because physical appearance, can you lose it? I mean, beauty, is it possible to lose it? Of course. Very easily. And you know what? Someone could be very handsome. But it's quite possible that your heart changes. You don't find them attractive anymore. So if you married them for the sole reason of their handsomeness, and later on you changed your mind, that no, I don't think this is the description of handsomeness, then what will happen? There is no reason to stick with that person. Right? Likewise, wealth, money. 
Is that something that can change over time? Very easily. What are the two things that the Prophet ﷺ told us? Religion and character. Religion, the person is concerned about his deen. And secondly, how is the person's akhlaq? If they are a patient person, supportive person, helpful, gentle, encouraging, hardworking, honest. I mean, these are things that you want. Because if they are like that, then your life will be easy. Your life will be easy. And if they lack good character, then even if you have a mansion, you'll be unhappy. You'll be miserable. You won't enjoy the expensive food. You won't enjoy the expensive clothes. You won't enjoy the big names that come, the big titles that come. You won't enjoy any of that because the akhlaq is bad. So Rasulullah said that when someone with whose religion and character you are satisfied with, he asks for your daughter in marriage, then accept his request. Because if you do not do so, there will be corruption and great evil on earth. There will be corruption. There will be fasad. How? Because then one hijabi is checking out another bearded guy and the bearded guy is looking at the girls. Right? You know, I'm not talking about Mars here. I'm talking about Muslim community that we live in. Right? Who's that cute girl? Who's the guy? Who's that guy who just gave the speech right now? What's his name? Where is he from? Where did he study? Right? Why? Because it's a natural desire. Every girl wants to get married. And every guy wants to get married. So we should make marriage easier. We see that in this surah, right at the beginning, we learned about the prohibition of zina. Right? And we learned that zina is a criminal offense, which is why there is a legal punishment for that. Now, why is zina such a big sin? Because zina is a threat to the existence of marriage. It's a threat to the preservation of marriage. When people have an option to do zina, why would they get married? And then marriage also, how can it remain intact when people are allowed to do zina? And married couples are doing zina. You see, this is why zina is a big problem. Now, the question is, that why is marriage so important? That for the preservation of marriage, zina is haram. For the preservation of marriage, zina is punishable. For preservation of marriage, the whole Muslim community is being instructed that get the singles married. Even the slaves get them married. Why? What are the benefits of nikah? What are the benefits of marriage? There are many benefits. First of all, we see that it is a means of lowering the gaze because it satisfies a person. It makes a person content. I have a spouse. I have a husband. I am his wife. Right? I have him. And he says, I have her. There's no need to look at others. There's no attraction in others. You understand what I mean? There's no attraction. Because you have a halal option. Tell me something. If you're hungry, you have no food. You have no food. And you've got no money. And you see somebody eating, let's say ham sandwich. Does that sandwich look good? Does it look good? I think it looks good when you're hungry. Right? Even if you ignore the ham part, you're like, you wish in your heart, I wish that was halal. Right? There is an attraction. But when you have your own food, when you have a halal option, then who cares what other people have got? 
It brings you satisfaction, it brings you contentment, and this is why marriage helps you lower your gaze, it helps you preserve your modesty, protect your chastity. Then we see that in marriage, when people are you know, fulfilling their obligations, their duties, even when they are fulfilling their desires. You know, for example, husband and wife having intercourse, this is an act that is rewarded for. It becomes an act of worship because they're doing it the halal way. When a husband is spending on his wife, that expenditure becomes charity. The time that he spends with his family, that becomes ibadah. Because you're doing it the halal way, you're doing it the right way. And this is why we learn that marriage is also a completion of your iman. Right? Half your deen. Marriage is also a source of love, comfort, mercy, affection, closeness, intimacy. Right? The relationship that exists between husband and wife, the love, the mercy, the closeness that exists between husband and wife, that kind of closeness does not exist between friends, parents and children, siblings. It cannot exist. Likewise, we see that marriage, it also ensures the protection of lineage. Right? Because if a woman is dating one guy and then another guy, and then after four months she finds out that she's pregnant, I mean, she doesn't know whose kid she's carrying. Preservation of lineage. We also see that because of marriage, the proper distribution of inheritance is also ensured. And then we also see that marriage protects a person's deen, it protects a person's iman, and this is the reason why marriage is so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emphasizing here that get the singles married among you, whether they are free or they're slaves. Notice for the slaves, الصالحين من عبادكم For the slaves, a condition has been said صالحين. What it means by salih is that they are good in terms of deen as well as dunya. That they are suitable for marriage. Alright? Because if a slave has lived all his life dependent on someone else and now he's got the responsibility of marriage on his shoulders looking after a wife and kids, he may not be equipped for that. And this shows to us that where we should help people get married, we should also train them and prepare them for marriage. Prepare them for marriage. You know, for instance, girls are told, Beta, don't do any laundry, don't do any cleaning, don't worry about the kitchen, nothing at all. Just focus on your studies. I'll do everything, you focus on your studies. And the poor daughter cannot focus on her studies because pictures of guys are going around in her head. She can't focus. She doesn't want to study. You know the previous ayat about zina, adornment? I mean, the Qur'an is amazing. Women have this natural wish to get you know, to look good, to dress up and everything. I mean, when a girl dresses up, she wants to be appreciated. Right? And if her mother is not going to appreciate her, you know, people don't appreciate her, she has to go in front of people. I look good. Yes, say that, I look good. You know, I'll take a picture of myself, put it online, and then I'll get 50 likes. Yeah, your lipstick looks awesome. Your hairstyle looks beautiful. Right? Because you want to be appreciated for your beauty for the hard work that you've put in. And you know what? People, no matter how much they appreciate your beauty, it's never satisfying. And one compliment from a husband, it's good enough. It's good. 
when you see mothers over here, when you see your daughters like really paying attention to their hair and their makeup and their clothes and their looks, I mean, think about it. They are closer to the age of marriage. Don't pretend that their desires or their wish don't exist. Prepare them for marriage. And by preparing them for marriage, it means preparing them by giving them responsibility, training them for life, And responsibility doesn't just mean you have the bank card and you control the money and the next thing you know she spent all the money on her friends. This is not the only way of teaching responsibility. It's done in different ways. Train them for marriage. Our problem is we baby children and we baby adults. Even when they're married, we baby them. We baby them. The guy is married. He's got a wife, he's got a kid, but he's treated as if he's a five-year-old kid who goes to his mom every time he gets an owie. You know, he's a baby. How is he meant to be a source of comfort and protection for his wife and for his children if he's being treated like a baby? Teach responsibility to boys from a young age. Our problem is our boys never grow up and our girls never grow up. They forever remain teenagers. You know, this teenager is a new category that didn't exist in the past. From childhood, you become a grown-up. And this is what they're seeking. I want to be treated like a grown-up. But they're not treated like a grown-up. They're not given the opportunity. They're not given a chance to be like a grown-up. You know, my husband, he tells me that the first summer job he got, first summer job, he was in high school. He gets his paycheck, you know, a few hundred dollars, right? Comes home so happy and his dad goes, go cash it out and give it to your grandmother your mother and your sisters. He's like, what? My money? He's like, yes. When you make money, you make it to support your family. You make it to support your family. That is a lesson that my father-in-law gave my husband. And I have so much respect for my father-in-law because of that. This is really giving responsibility to kids. You know, teaching them to be responsible. Girls also. We need to train them for marriage. Many times it happens, a girl gets married and she's got one kid now and her whole life has fallen apart. Her whole life. She doesn't have a social life. She doesn't have a personal life. She doesn't have a mental life. Nothing. Everything is out the window. Why? Because this baby has overcome me. Yeah, poor child. Poor baby. Who can barely sit up himself. But he has taken over her life. She doesn't know how to manage. Because when it comes to cooking, she has to keep looking at recipes, 50 recipes, you know, which one. And then with somebody on the phone, how do I do this, how do I do this? So something that could be prepared in 20 minutes is now taking 2 hours. Why cook? Tell the husband, can you please order out? Can you please get some food on the way? I mean, how long is he going to take that? So when we are buying clothes for our girls and preparing them for marriage... By telling them that on your wedding day you will wear jewelry and you will wear nice clothes. Also prepare them for real life. Prepare them for real life. For responsibility. أَنْكِحُوا الْأَيَامَ minkum, Because we see that a person must be mentally, emotionally, physically and socially able to have a spouse, have children. Because marriage, it comes with a huge responsibility. Responsibility for the woman as well as the man. وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفْ And he should abstain. يَسْتَعْفِفْ Lam over here is of Amr. He should. Who should? يَسْتَعْفِفْ Yastarfif is from عِنْ فَافَ And عِفَّة 
is to abstain, afaf, to refrain. And what it means is refraining from falling into what is unlawful. So waliyastafif, he should remain chaste. Who should remain chaste? Alladina, those people who la yajiduna nikahan, who do not find the ability to get married. Why is it that they don't have the ability to get married? They can't find a spouse. They've been trying, but they can't find anybody. And why is it that we can't find anybody, first of all? That is what we need to question ourselves. Why are we aiming for perfection? Are we perfect ourselves? Are we? Are you a perfect cook? I'm asking you a question. Are you the best chef in the world? Are you the best hairdresser? You're not. Then don't expect perfection from your spouse either. Prospective spouse. So those who can really not find the means to marry. Like for example, a person doesn't even have anything sufficient to give as a mahr. Alright? Or for example, a woman cannot find a man who has some level of deen even to get married to. Or the circumstances are such that they don't allow for marriage to happen. Alright? So for instance, a person, their mother is really sick. Their father has lost their job. Alright? And the whole family is dependent on them. And it's a girl, for example. Now if she gets married and goes away, what's going to happen to the parents? You understand what I mean? So sometimes the circumstances are such that a person is not able to get married. So those who are not able to get married right now, what should they do? What should they do? What does Allah say? وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفْ He should remain chaste. Even if two years have gone by, three years have gone by, five years have gone by, ten years have gone by, you're reaching your thirties, your forties, still remain chaste. Remain chaste. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ مِنْكُمُ الْبَاءَةَ فَلْيَتَزَوَّجْ فَإِنَّهُ أَغَضُّ لِلْبَصَرِ وَأَحْصَنُ لِلْفَرْجِ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ فَعَلَيْهِ بِالصَّوْمِ فَإِنَّهُ لَهُ وِجَاءُ That whoever is not able to get married, then let him fast, for it is a protection for him. So do whatever is within your capacity in order to keep yourself chaste. حَتَّى until يُغْنِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ Until Allah makes them rich from His bounty. Allah enriches them. Meaning Allah brings about such circumstances that allow the person to get married. You see over here, the word hatta, what does that give? Hope. Never despair. Never give up hope. Because it's possible that you've been looking for someone to get married to. And each time it was so close, finished. Happens, right? You hear these stories all the time. Or the circumstances are such that you know a person is physically unwell, they're unhealthy, they're not able to get married for whatever reason. What does Allah say? They should remain chaste until Allah enriches them. Meaning, always be hopeful that Allah will bring about a situation where inshallah you will get married. Don't despair. Don't despair. You know, there is a companion, Julaybib radiallahu anhu. He was physically handicapped. Someone who was perceived as ugly. But what happened? The Prophet ﷺ had him married. Someone who thought that nobody would marry him. But Rasulullah ﷺ had him married. And this really shows how the Prophet ﷺ observed this hukum. 
that even someone who was looked down on for his physical disability, for his physical appearance, Rasulullah ﷺ acknowledged the fact that even he would have a need. Even he needs love. Even he needs a companion. Because we think marriage is only for the beautiful. And someone who's not that good looking, uh-uh, marriage is not for them. Someone who doesn't have much money, marriage is not for them. Someone who doesn't have a good career, marriage is not for them. No, marriage should be for everybody. It is our duty to make it possible for everybody. Because does it make sense that we are living you know, a very satisfied life and the people who are living very close to us, they're struggling on a daily basis. This is extremely selfish. حَتَّى يُغْنِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَالَّذِينَ And those people who يَبْتَغُونَ الْكِتَابَ Who seek kitab. Kitab literally means writing. And over here, kitab gives meaning of contract. And basically it's referring to the contract that would be made between a slave and his master. That a slave would give an offer to his master that if I serve you for such and such amount of time, alright, or if I bring about this much money, if I bring you this much income, if I can get this much work done for you, will you set me free after this? And the master says yes. You understand? So it's a contract, it's an agreement between the slave and his master. A contract for what? For the slave buying his freedom. I remember Salman al-Farisi radiallahu He was taken in as a slave, right? And he was sold to a Jewish man in Medina. And what was the kitaba in his case? That he had to plant a certain number of date palm trees. And who helped him? The Prophet the Sahaba, everybody helped him. Right? And so like that, his freedom was bought. So those who seek freedom, or those who seek this contract, alright, with you for eventual emancipation, مِمَّا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ From that which your right hands possess, meaning your slaves, then what should you do? Allah says, فَكَاتِبُوهُمْ Then write for them. Meaning make the contract with them. Don't reject their offer. Make the contract with them. In alimtum, if you know, fihim in them khayran goodness. Meaning if you know that this person, this slave, once he goes free, yeah, he'll do good. But, for example, if there is a particular individual, a slave, alright, and he seems to be very aggressive, very aggressive, violent in his behavior, and, you know, it's gonna be a problem if he is set free, that he's gonna spread violence, he's gonna be aggressive towards people, then in that case it's better that he's not helped in buying his freedom. You understand? إِنَّ عَلِمْتُمْ فِيهِمْ خَيْرًا وَآتُوهُمْ And give them. Meaning first of all make the contract and then once the contract is made, then give them مِمَّا لِلَّهِ From the wealth of Allah الَّذِي آتَاكُمْ Which Allah has given you. Meaning, give them some of your money so that they can buy their freedom from you. Isn't this so beautiful? First of all, cooperate with them so that they can buy their freedom. Secondly, financially assist them. The master is being told over here, and not just the master, the entire Muslim community is being instructed. And this is why zakat can even be given to a slave who wants to buy his freedom. We learn about that in the Qur'an. So this is with respect to slaves who want to buy their freedom. What do we learn over here? That let them buy their freedom. Help them. And we see over here that in pre-Islamic Arabia, slaves made a large portion of the society. Right? And this is not just something that was common in Arabia, it was common in the whole world. Now Islam did not abolish slavery, because if the Muslims were told, 
Slavery is not halal. Everybody set your slave free. Then half of the population, more than half would be wondering, what do we do? Where do we go? What's our future going to be? Alright? But we see that gradually it was reduced. And Islam provided the mechanism, the tools for the emancipation of slaves. So we see that many incentives were given. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever frees a Muslim slave, Allah will save all the parts of his body from hellfire. Because he said, a Muslim body free, Allah will free his body from the hellfire. Then we see that for many sins, what's the expiation? Set free a slave. Right? And then we see that for slavery, laws were revealed. Like for example, this law, that make the contract, let them buy their freedom. Right? And then we see the next part of the ayah is about prostitution, sex slaves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تُكْرِهُ Do not force فَتَيَاتِكُمْ your female slaves. Your female slaves. Allah over al-bigha. Zina. Bigha, baghi, literally means to cross limits. To seek something. To desire something. And in that, cross limits. If you remember in Surah Maryam, Maryam alayhi salam was told that وَمَا كَانَتْ أُمُّكِ بَغِيَّ Your mother was not a baghi. Meaning she was not someone who would commit zina. So bigha is... Zina. And over here it means prostitution. Do not force your slave women into prostitution. In aradna, if aradna they intend, meaning they want, tahassunan, fortification. Tahassunan from Hasad Noon, Hisun, Hisnul Muslim. What is that? Fortress, right? So tahassun is to take fortification, meaning to take a means of protection. And what this means is chastity over here. Chastity. Meaning if a woman wants to live a chaste life, don't force her into this. Now this doesn't mean that if a woman doesn't mind, then make her do it. Okay? In over here, in aradna tahassunan, in over here is not conditional. Alright? This is being mentioned as, as a further detail. That how could you force her? Especially when she wants to be chaste. How could you force that on any human being? When she wants to be chased, you're forcing her into this act? In aradna tahassunan, don't do that. And why do you do it anyway? لِتَبْتَغُوا So that you may make عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ dunya The benefits of this worldly life. عَرَض is that which does not have any permanence. And it refers to temporary benefits of this life. You see, in pre-Islamic Arabia, prostitution was very common. We learned that in Makkah, even Medina and every population within Arabia, there were many houses you can say, or rooms, right, which would have a flag on top of them. And that flag meant that this is a place where you will find a prostitute. So if, for example, a person was traveling, all right, they came as a visitor, what would they do? They would just go and stay with a prostitute. And what would happen? He would pay her, right? He would pay her. Now the payment would go to who? The master, the slave owner. You understand? It will go to the owner. So the men, the male slaves were used for physical labor. And the female slaves were used for this purpose. Both were a cause of generating income. And especially through prostitution, they would generate a lot of income. Because every night they would make a lot of money. And especially, like for example in Medina, we learned that Abdullah bin Ubay, the chief of the hypocrites, he had many such women, alright? And what he would do is that any visitor that would come, he would entertain them, 
through his prostitutes. And this is something that's not uncommon today either. Right? That when visitors, when guests have to be entertained, these kind of services are provided. So this was something that was done even at that time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't force them. Don't do that. Especially when they want to be fortified and they want to live as a chaste person. How could you force it on them? What are you getting out of this? Some temporary money? Some temporary benefit? And you see, if the slave woman, alright, if she became pregnant, she had a child, then that child would enter the slave force. You understand? Because this woman is being used as a sex worker, right? So her children did not become like the child of the owner because they're not the owner's children. They're somebody else's children. Whose children? Who knows? So that would just, the woman would be a source of getting more slaves. You understand? And sometimes what they would do is that the woman, the slave woman, she would say, this child is the son of so and so. And if she said it, people would have to accept her word. Alright? So for example, she would say, this child that I've given birth to is a child of such and such leader in Makkah, for example. Such and such chief. Now, this would be a source of embarrassment for the chief. That my child has been born to this woman. If I don't buy him, if I don't set him free and raise him myself, this is disgrace for me that my child is going to be raised as a slave. So what would he have to do? Pay the price in order to free his child. And what would that be generally? A hundred camels. So you understand what's going on over here? Every nine months or every year or so, what is the owner making? So much money. How? By the nightly income. And then with every child born, more income. Allah says, لِتَبْتَغُوا عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا This is so selfish. وَمَنْ يُكْرِهُنَّ And whoever forces them, meaning forces the women into this prostitution. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مِنْ بَعْدِ إِكْرَاهِهِنَّ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Then indeed Allah, after that, meaning after their being forced, He is غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ He is forgiving and merciful. Meaning, the slave woman, she is not sinful here. Because she doesn't want to do this. She's being forced into it. And when she's being forced into it, then she's not committing any sin. In a hadith we learn that verily Allah has pardoned for me, my ummah, their mistakes, their forgetfulness, and that which they have been forced to do. So when a woman is forced into prostitution, and she doesn't want to do it, is she sinful? She's not sinful. But the people who are forcing her, are they sinful? Of course they are. What if a woman is working as a prostitute and she doesn't mind? She doesn't mind at all. In fact, she's claiming benefits you know, from the government that I should get insurance and this and this and this because this is a business. Then, is she being forced? She's not being forced. It's her choice. And when it's her choice, then is she sinful? Yes, she is sinful. The Prophet ﷺ said, the earning of a prostitute is khabith. It's impure. Mahrul baghi khabith. It's impure money. It's not lawful. And Allah knows the intention of each person. وَلَقَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ آيَاتٍ مُبَيِّنَاتٍ Certainly we have revealed to you distinct verses. Clear verses. These verses clarify the commands, the hudud, the limits that Allah has set. They clarify 
What is it that Allah's pleasure lies in? And what is it that Allah's anger lies in? They're very clear, these ayat. They're distinct. Everything is mentioned clearly. The punishment for zina, the punishment for qadaf, hijab. You know, everything is laid out clearly, one after the other. So nobody can say, but I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm still confused. Verses are clear. Allah has pointed out the obvious to us. وَمَثَلًا And Allah has also given over here, مَثَل, example. مِنَ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Of people who passed before you. Meaning past societies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us about them in the Qur'an. Why? So that we can take a lesson from their example. So that we can also work towards a social reform. مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Before you. وَمَوْعِضَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ And these ayat are also an admonition for people who fear Allah. The commands are clear. Examples are mentioned. But for whom is this a mawila an admonition? Those who fear Allah. Those who fear Allah, who live a life of taqwa, to them, these commands are clear. They observe them, they respect the limits that Allah has set, in hopes for reward from Allah alone, Azza wa Jal. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَأَنْكِحُوا الْأَيَامَا مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّالِحِينَ مِنْ عِبَادِكُمْ وَإِمَائِكُمْ إِنْ يَكُونُوا فُقَرَاءَ يُغْنِهِمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفِ الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ نِكَاحًا حَتَّى يُغْنِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَالَّذِينَ يَبْتَغُونَ الْكِتَابَ مِمَّا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ فَكَاتِبُوهُمْ إِنْ عَلِمْتُمْ فِيهِمْ خَيْرًا وَآتُوهُمْ مِمَّا لِلَّهِ الَّذِي آتَاكُمْ وَلَا تُكْرِهُوا فَتَيَاتِكُمْ عَلَى الْبِغَاءِ إِنْ أَرَدْنَ تَحَصُّنًا لِتَبْتَغُوا عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَنْ يُكْرِهُنَّ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مِنْ بَعْدِ إِكْرَاهِهِنَّ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ وَلَقَدْ أَنْزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ آيَاتٍ مُبَيِّنَاتٍ وَمَثَلًا مِنَ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْا مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَمَوْعِظَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته